Thanks, Kyle and the team for playing, and thanks, Devin, for introducing me and praying. <clears throat> um, this is my second time preaching, and I learned this time that I should sing the songs all out in the second service. I did that in the first service. Hopefully, my voice holds up through this one. <clears throat> so, this morning, we will be in Psalm 103. And if you'd like a copy of God's Word, our strike team is coming around, and this psalm is found on page 322. So Psalm 103 is a celebratory psalm written by David before the exile, but it is providentially placed in book four of the psalms as Israel returns from exile to a crumbled promised land. This psalm is here for the purpose of reminding God's people, that even after tragedy, the Lord's benefits and promises still hold true because he is faithful. After exile, Israel would be questioning if the Davidic covenant was still in place and if God's steadfast love still remained despite their prior transgressions and the tragedy of exile. So this psalm reminded them that the Lord is abounding in steadfast love and mercy even after tragedy that his faithfulness continues and his sovereign reign is forever. They would sing in agreement with the words of David, bless the Lord. Let's read the psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children. And those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. What are you feeling after reading this psalm? Do your thoughts and affections resonate with David's words? A couple of weeks ago, Devin um, offered this opportunity for me to preach, and I was very excited about that, and he told me to be on Psalm 103 
on May 12th. And so as soon as I began to prepare, I got stalled. I read the words, these overwhelmingly celebratory words of praise, and I felt casual and apathetic. I thought, how can I preach this psalm? The main point is praise, but that is not what I'm feeling. I could see the clear difference between David's praise and my own. I knew the problem was within me. I knew the truths in this psalm, yet my reactions lacked the praise that should go along with these truths. So what are you feeling when you read this psalm this morning? Do your thoughts and affections resonate with the words of David? What should you do when you know the the benefits of the Lord and yet have casual praise? Bless the Lord. Point one this morning is bless the Lord for what he has done for you. First off, before we get into this, we need to understand what does bless mean? Like, how do we bless God? Usually we associate that word with, like, uh, filling a void for someone or, like, providing for someone that's lacking, providing, blessing someone with a meal or prayer. They're in need of those things. But the Lord is complete and in need of nothing. So how do we bless the Lord? The Hebrew word here is barak, and it literally means to kneel down. And the way that David is using it here means it means to praise God. So when David begins with, bless the Lord, he is telling himself to praise God. And he doesn't mean just a little bit. He wants to bless the Lord with his soul and all that is in him. He literally is saying to praise the Lord with every single ounce of himself. This praise is anything but casual. This is visible and authentic. It has wholehearted thanksgiving and joy. David again says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And this time says, And forget not all his benefits. He reflects on these benefits and begins by recalling the individual blessings he has received from the Lord. It is the Lord who has forgiven his iniquity, who has healed his diseases, who saves him from the grave, who crowns him with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies him with pleasant things and renews his strength and youth. David begins this snowball of praise by starting with himself. He blesses the Lord for what he has done for him. And this list is pretty straightforward. The Lord has forgiven his sins. He's given David good health. He saved David's life on multiple occasions and kept him alive. The Lord loves David with a covenantal love and has mercy on him. And he has given David pleasant things and kept him feeling young. What does this list look like for you? For a lot of us, it's this very similar to David's. And for others of us, it isn't. And I want to bring in this off point here because there is this health and wealth prosperity gospel that is out there that says that the Lord always heals um, when we ask for it. And we see uh, where they could maybe get that from this text. So I want to just touch on this. But this second benefit listed in verse 3 is a benefit that is descriptive of David's life. Yet this is, it is not true of every believer's experience in this life. Some of you currently have a chronic illness or have experienced that um, at some point in this life. 
And you all have known loved ones who know Christ and have yet passed away from an illness or disease. But we still have hope. The Lord is capable to heal, and he may yet do that in this life. No matter what, though, he heals completely in his second coming. His new creation will have no sickness, pain, or strife. All diseases will be healed. And so no matter your health, you can praise the Lord. And so while you might look at David's list and yours is a little different, you still have a list. And for that, praise the Lord. And so I ask you again, what does your list look like? David exhorts himself in verse 2, forget not all his benefits. You need to remember the Lord's benefits to make your list. On our honeymoon, Abby and I purchased a journal. And in it, we wrote down all the God stories, as we call them, that happened throughout the course of our, of our wedding. We wrote a summarized list of stories we wanted to write about and then took time over our honeymoon to write down those stories. And we have since added some of those God stories to this journal. Now, reflecting on these stories reminds us to praise God for all that he has done. If I didn't write down some of these stories, we're not even to our year anniversary yet, and I would have forgotten some of what is in that journal. And so, when the storms of life come, we have this detailed list to help us remember the Lord's benefits in our lives, and it can draw us to praise him no matter the circumstances. So our first application this morning is don't forget. When you have sinned and are feeling condemned, don't forget your iniquities are forgiven. When you are experiencing victory over sin, don't forget your prior sins that were forgiven. When you are experiencing good health, don't forget it's the Lord who provided it. When your, diseases, when your disease or illness isn't going away, don't forget the Lord can and will heal in this life or the next. Today, as you enjoy the gift of life, don't forget it is God who has given you each and every breath. When you doubt the Lord's love for you, don't forget his love is unfailing and he has mercy. When you look around at the material blessings you have, don't forget who the giver of all good things is. When you look around and see a lack of good things, don't forget the Lord uses sufferings to produce good. And lastly, whether you are feeling youthful like David or elderly, don't forget there is a resurrection and you will receive a perfect and eternal body. So like David, you have a list of the Lord's benefits that is unique to you. But in order to bless the Lord for those benefits, you must remember them. Don't forget what those benefits are. Bless the Lord for what he has done for you. Is your is your praise still casual, though? Does looking at these benefits in your individual lives still invoke a casual response? Well, David doesn't just stop with the indivi- at the individual level. He advances his exhortation to bless the Lord to all of God's covenant children. What should you do when you know the Lord's benefits and yet have casual praise? Point two this morning. Bless the Lord for his benefits to all his children. This is the largest portion of this psalm, verses 6 through 18, and many benefits are listed here. And they talk about who the Lord is and reveal his nature to us. 
And in these verses, this is still a result of David's call to remember the Lord's benefits. But now the recipient is not just the individual, it's a group. And so the call to bless the Lord is expanding in this psalm. And time does not allow us to dive deep into every verse, but I encourage you this week to do that on your own in your time in the Word or with another brother and sister in Christ and and dive deep into what this psalm reveals about who our God is and how that benefits us. For our time this morning, we're going to start in verse 10. It says, God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. We have sinned and broken God's covenant, and yet his mercy, in his mercy, he does not deal with us accordingly. With every covenant, there are benefits and curses. When you keep the covenant, you receive the benefits. When you break the covenant, you receive the curses. This verse is saying that though we have broken the covenant, the Lord in his mercy does not repay us with the curses. All of this is possible because of who God is and his nature, which is abounding in steadfast love. In verse 11, we see more about that love. In verse 8, we're told that his, his love is abounding and steadfast. And here we are told the heights that his love abounds to. Heavens here in this, in this verse could mean the air, the sky, or the place of the stars. Either way, the point is that the limit of God's unfailing love cannot be reached by those who fear him. There is no limit to the love that he has for his children. In David's time, there were no planes or rockets, so the, the, the heavens were much higher for him. If you've traveled on a plane, you've been to the, to the height that David is using to illustrate this. But in his day, the best he could do is look around for the highest hill, go climb it, and then jump. And that's as high as he could, or that's as close as he could come to reaching the limit of God's love. His point is that it's limitless. And then in verse 12, he gives us another picture of the Lord's nature and how it benefits his children. Verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. In verse 2, we are told that all of our sins are forgiven. And here, David explains to what extent. They're removed from you as far as the east is from the west. Next time you use a compass, which those aren't common anymore, but you do have one on your phone. You can try it. Next time you use a compass, try to blend east and west together you will spin yourself silly and you won't accomplish it. They are two fixed opposites and cannot blend together. You are removed from your sins and your sins are removed from you. Roy Clements, the pastor of Eden Baptist Church in Cambridge, England, points out this. No matter how many miles you think lie between east and west, you cannot look two ways at once. He's saying you have to turn your back on one in order to look at the other. He goes on, When God forgives us, he puts our sin and us on two different horizons. So when he looks at our sin, he's not looking at us. And when he looks at us, he is not looking at our sin. To use the vocabulary of Paul, he has justified us. 
This third picture that we see in verse 13 shows us the beneficial relationship we have with the Lord based on his nature. For those who fear him, he has compassion on us as a father does to a son. This type of relationship is familial. It's different than that of a distant CEO to a low-level employee. It is a father's love to his children. Romans 8, 14 through 15 reminds us of this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, a couple times so far we've seen the phrase, those who fear him. And it appears once more in this text. So what exactly does that mean? To show us, I'm going to uh, use the help of the late R.C. Sproul and his reflections on Martin Luther's understanding. It should be on the screen behind me. Luther distinguished between that servile fear and what he called filial fear, drawing from the Latin concept from which we get the idea of family. It refers to the fear that a child has for his father. In this regard, Luther is thinking of a child who has tremendous respect and love for his father or mother and who dearly wants to please him. He has a fear or an anxiety of offending the one he loves, not because he's afraid of torture or even punishment, but rather because he's afraid of displeasing the one who is, in that child's world, the source of security and love. This type of fear is healthy and should be a growing reality in the lives of those who profess Christ. As Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. David goes on to remind us in the psalm of our frailty as humans and then contrasts that with the Lord who is everlasting. In verse 17, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord's love and righteousness stays constant from generation to generation to those who keep his covenant and keep his commandments. If I'm honest, the second part of verse 18 scares me a little bit because I know that I have not kept the commandments. So how can I know that all these benefits are true for me? How can you know that they're true for you? Jesus the Christ, in human flesh, Jesus kept the covenant and obeyed the commandments. Yet in his death, he received the curses of the covenant that we deserved and abundantly gives us the benefits that he earned. The perfect covenant keeper suffers our curses and instead, of, and instead gives us the benefits that we that he deserved for being perfect. So in Christ, we are now free to keep the covenant and the commandments. In that, we can bless the Lord. So all that we have covered um, in this section are incredible benefits of the Lord for his children, and they detail his steadfast love and mercy. And it is the Lord's steadfast love and mercy that is the reason we can praise him. David shows us clearly what God is like and how that benefits us as his children. So how do you react to these truths, these benefits? Is there 
casual praise. What should you do when you know the Lord's benefits and yet have casual praise? In the Gospel of Luke, there's a story in chapter 7 of a sinful woman who is forgiven. And in that story, there's also a Pharisee, and his name is Simon, and he believes he deserves the Lord's benefits. The woman, however, clearly understands that Jesus' forgiveness is undeserved. When Jesus forgives her, she is full of joy and love. Jesus says the woman's love was much because she knew how much she'd sinned. And in verse 47, he says, He who is forgiven little loves little. This is not saying that Simon the Pharisee only had a little sin. Um, It's saying that he did not realize his sin and the need for forgiveness. But that woman knew her depravity. She knew her debt before the Lord and knew that it was a great debt. She recognized her depravity and yet responded with praise. The more we see our sinfulness and depravity before the Lord, the greater we will understand the amount of forgiveness that we have received. When, you, when we understand how great that forgiveness is, then we love and rejoice all the more because we see how undeserved the Lord's love is. And so to cherish the forgiveness that we have in Christ, to cherish his steadfast love, we must understand that it is undeserved. So our application in point one was to remember the Lord's benefits. And here it is to remember that the Lord's benefits are undeserved. One more time. Remember the Lord's benefits are undeserved. Remember that it is undeserved that the Lord deals, does not deal with us according to our sins. Remember it is undeserved that he does not repay us for our sins. Remember it is undeserved that he has steadfast love for you as, as high as the skies. Remember it is undeserved that he removes your sins from you as far as the east is from the west. A gospel message that says God loves you because you're so awesome minimizes his love and it puts the glory on man. When you believe this kind of message, the lyrics of Amazing Grace lose all of their meaning. There is no amazing grace if you don't understand yourself to be an undeserving wretch. Remember it is undeserved that you can be called a child of God. Remember it is undeserved that Christ should take the curses you deserve and give you the benefits that he alone deserves. Bless the Lord for his benefits to all his children. David began this snowballing exhortation of praise with himself. Now he's advancing in this last section, he advanced that exhortation to all of God's children. And now in this next section, he is advancing it to all of God's creation to bless the Lord. So point three this morning, bless the Lord because he is king over all. Verse 19 reads, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Having his throne in the heavens shows that all other thrones are below his A man may have a throne on earth, but the Lord's is in the heavens. His throne is established and immovable, while all other thrones are temporary and frail. 
Not only is his throne above all, but his kingdom rules over all. He is king over this earth. He is king over the heavens. He is king over everything in all of creation. That creation includes his angels, his hosts, his ministers, and his works. David, a frail man, commands the praise of the Lord in the angels, in the Lord's armies, in those who serve him, and those who do his will. We'll read verse 20 through 22. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. His hosts are his heavenly armies. His ministers are those who serve him. His works are the things he's made and the things that he's done in every place under his control. And David, a frail man, calls upon these mighty beings to bless the Lord. How can he do that? Because the Lord is worthy of this praise. He properly recognizes that the Lord rules over them and exhorts them to praise the king. David recognizes the glory that the Lord is due and knows that it takes the praise of all creatures to even come close. He calls on all creation to bless the Lord because he is worthy. He is the king. And everything said of the Lord here can be said of Christ. His throne is set in the heavens at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the creator of all things. John 1.3 says, all, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus the Christ is worthy of all our praise. His name is above every other name. Philippians 2.9-11 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Every being in all of creation will one day kneel down before Jesus Christ, and every being in all of creation will confess that he is Lord. Bless the Lord. Lastly, David again exhorts himself to bless the Lord with all that he has. While David desires all of creation to praise the Lord, it is of utmost importance to him that he himself blesses the Lord with genuine praise and that he is a true owner of that praise. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says, The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That is what David is after here. He wants to joyfully praise the king, the Lord, and glorify him for all of eternity. Do you have the same desire as David? What should you do when you know the Lord's benefits and yet have casual praise? Who here has seen the new Avengers movie? Got some hands. I'm not giving any spoilers to those who haven't seen it. <laughs> because I, I actually haven't seen it myself. I was given this preaching assignment similar to the time that the movie came out. And when I watch movies, I get so into them that my perception of reality is messed up for like four days. <laughs> like I'm thinking in the context of that movie and just my reaction. Everything's just messed up. 
I get so entrenched in a movie, it messes up my reality. And so I didn't want to do that while preparing the sermon because when my perception of reality is thrown off, so are my responses to my circumstances. Likewise, your response to the command of David to bless the Lord is affected by your perception of reality. Reality is that the Lord is king over all, and we need to remember that. So the last application this morning is remember that the Lord is king over all. Why is this important? Well, we don't always feel like praising the Lord. As I mentioned above in my intro when I got this preaching assignment, life comes at us with struggles, distractions, and sufferings. But the Lord is king even over those things. He is king over every trial, every suffering, every setback, every enemy. Nothing dethrones him. No matter how your life looks on the surface, he is still the sovereign king over all. Whether you are discouraged from stress at work or you're frustrated that your house is a mess, whether you are crushed by the news you got from the doctor or you are grieved by the passing of a family member, remember that he is king over all. When you are experiencing unanswered prayers or you're plagued by the thought of unbelieving family members or friends, remember that he is king over all. Do not let the circumstances of your life alter the reality. When the Lord, or with the Lord as king, he is able to bring life out of death, good out of evil, and joy out of suffering. With the Lord as king, the oppressed will receive justice, the weak are made strong, and light triumphs over darkness. Whatever it is, he is God, he is in control, he is king over all. Bless the Lord. So where are your hearts this morning? Are they blessing the Lord? To draw on the, the picture that David gives us of humanity, our praise, too, is frail as a flower. Some days it is there, and the next it is gone. Remember that it is the Lord's unfailing love you are resting in this morning. It is he who is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. In Christ, all the benefits of this psalm are true for you. So what should you do when you know the benefits of the Lord and yet have casual praise? Bless the Lord for what he's done for you. Bless the Lord for his benefits to all his children and bless the Lord for he is the king. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our praise for you is imperfect. You are worthy of praise that comes with thanksgiving and joy and worship with every ounce of who we are, and yet we fall short of that. Lord, let us strive for that praise and see you as worthy and be filled with joy for who you are and all you've done for us. May we rest in your steadfast love, in your sovereign rule, and in the sacrifice of your Son, Christ. Give us faith this morning for where we fall short. 
and give us faith to see you as the king that is worthy of all of our praise. We request that you draw our hearts to praise you with all that we have. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.